Wings Up, a podcast about FAMU athletics, is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it up to the light. We're going to share it so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in the swag that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a rattler, they can know their kids need to be. Greetings and salutations. Hoping all is well with you. This is the Fangs Up Podcast. I am Keith Hadley. And this week, we're going to talk about a little bit of a position breakdown. We're also going to talk about what it was like at the Florida HBCU Mega Camp and some of the other camps that are going on. Also, we're going to talk about some of the offers that were made to potential, I almost said Florida a athletes, but potential Rattlers. We're also going to talk about FAMU baseball just a little bit, and we're going to go inside the den. Who are the top three returning players from the backfield? That means the quarterbacks and the running backs. Who are the guys that you need to look out for? That being said, let's get started. So first question is, what was the HBCU mega camp like? It was hot. (laughs) It was real hot, y'all. It was 95 degrees when I left my iPhone overheated once and was on the verge of doing it a second time because I was trying to record video, get some pictures, share some stuff for you to see on the FQ family Twitter page. If you're not following that Twitter page, what are you doing? It's a real question. We're over 2000 followers. Thank y'all to everybody who's followed. Got a new page up here for the Fangs Up podcast by itself. So follow that as well. Uh, Content will be similar, but the Fangs Up podcast is going to slightly start becoming probably a little more recruit centric and uh, do a little bit more to try to get a little more attention going towards FAMU as well. But that being said, again, the HBCU mega camp was hot. I had my water pack. I bought one of those camel like backpacks. Not a camel. It's definitely the Google off brand or Amazon off brand. And uh, by the end of the three, four hours I was there, I was out of water. I literally drank almost all of the water uh, that I had with me and it was hot, but it was beneficial because you had coaches from multiple colleges and universities that were there, Alabama A&M, Alabama State, Bethune-Cookman, Benedict, Edward Waters, Howard, Florida A&M and Tuskegee were just some of the universities, not all of them, but just some of them. I got to kind of chop it up with some of them make some contacts and talk to some of the coaches to see what they were there for what what they were looking for what some of their hopes were a lot of them new coaches uh tuskegee's coach he was like yep new coach new staff new offense cool Uh, alabama state same thing new coaching staff doing some new things and it was really nice it was really cool um BCU's Coach Sims was awesome. I mean, honestly, just just not even trying to hype the man up. Uh, Very, very nice, friendly guy. Uh, Has one of my former students on his team. So very excited. Obviously, a former student that's going to be at FAMU as well. 
but it was a competitive environment. And one of the coolest things and the best takeaways for me was being able to see the recruits in an environment where they had to compete against other guys that were good. It wasn't just a bunch of schleps that were out there. They were really good guys and you got to see good on good and good on good produced good quality content. Personally, when I saw some of the videos after the fact, especially when it was good on good, you were able to see that the good players were able to show why they were highly recruited and why they should have left with offers. And we saw that some of them did. Some of the players that left with offers don't have huddle pages because uh, I went to retweet one gentleman, the tight end, uh, six foot, uh, 200 pound tight end. I think he's six two. Uh, his name escapes me at the second, but I went to go and look up his information. Kid had no huddle page, no nothing. But then when you looked him up, kid was a baller. Like kid was out there and his film looked decent and all of his stuff from the recruiting event looked good. The problem was, again, he didn't have that social media savvy and other things out there to promote his brand and promote what he's doing. But he left with an offer. He, he goes to FAMU, gets a visit. Kid comes up, gets the offer. And that's part of the purpose for doing that. Part of the purpose for going to the camps is to leave with offers when you go to those kind of camps. And for the other camps, it's to compete, get some film and post that film on places like Huddle, uh, Instagram, Max Preps, Twitter, so that the coaches can see you, but also people that are into the recruiting scene can see you as well very important like you need to have somebody see you otherwise you're not going to get offered you can be the best player in the city but if nobody knows about you and nobody ever sees you play you're not going to be able to go to max a place where you can maximize your potential now mentioning that there are some future camps there's actually a camp that just ended should be ending uh right about now at florida state university pretty much florida state it's at the intramural fields uh right there famu was there famu Albany State and a lot of other schools from Division One all the way to Division Three were at the event. I saw Thomas University up there, and Thomasville was there as well. Uh, but some of the future camps we have two that are happening in Central Florida in the Orlando area. You have the Central Florida Showcase, primarily high school. Great chance for you to get some film though. Uh, that is on June the 16th here in Orlando, and it is at pretty much the same place not pretty much the same place that the hbcu mega camp was at here in orlando and one of the benefits of that is you're going to be able to compete against some good quality competition and the people running it good people good people uh former bcu athlete that is running that camp there and small fee pre-registration is 35 dollars. i'm not getting paid to say any of this this is just me sharing with you that this opportunity is out there. I may come out there and uh, get some video recording for the Fangs Up podcast and the Fangs Up Twitter page. But you're going to be able to see that good competition is going to produce good film. So if you're a competitor, you want to be out there, there's a small nominal fee, go out there and compete and get seen on some film, get seen in a place where you and other people can benefit from the opportunity it is an event where everybody's got to pay though so 
if your mama comes, she got to pay your cousin, peanut, little pistol starter, nuck, nuck, Ray, Ray, all of them. It's $10 for people to go view and to watch it. So it is not free just for you to, uh, show up as a parent or a spectator so um i will see if i can negotiate my way past that as a person who's covering it though <laughs> just being honest you also have the qb shootout in battle in the pit that is going to be at the central florida academy uh and that event is a hundred dollars for quarterbacks orlando um on june the 16th $50 for position players, $25 for coaches. I did not see where there's a cost for spectators, but again, there is a nominal fee there. That is with people like uh, Mr. Uh, Sapp, the offensive line coach from Dr. Phillips, Tyrone Sapp to be exact. He also runs the Tyrone Sapp uh, offensive line academy, and he's producing some pretty solid guys. Got a couple guys playing division one college football one is at jackson state right now transfer from florida atlantic university and another one is at southern southern illinois so he's got a few gentlemen that are playing college ball right now also brian trujillo is the quarterback coach he has also been quarterback coach at oak ridge high school here in orlando florida for quite a while he's also played semi-pro football and college football as well so you have some other coaches that are there um but just to name drop uh, a couple of the guys that are going to be there, some of the coaches. Again, I'm not getting paid to say it. I'm just sharing out there. Another opportunity to get some film, good on good. Uh, last one I'm going to mention is the Tennis Berry Showcase. That's on June the 17th. There are going to be 14 colleges at this one, though. This is a big difference from the other two. The other two are more so high school camps. You're getting some film out there. This is where the colleges are going to be at. And this is going to be at Benedict College in Columbia, South Carolina. And the reason I mention it is not because it's HBCU specific. It's because FAMU is going to be there. So FAMU continues to expand its recruiting footprint into other places. For instance, Georgia, Alabama, the Carolinas, California. We had a gentleman yesterday from Iowa, offensive lineman. And you're continuing to see that FAMU continues to be a national brand, continue, continues to recruit both in and outside of the state of Florida, and continues to push the envelope to get the best and the brightest. Because we're seeing Jackson State is getting very good talent. They just got a transfer from Tennessee, and that's pretty much a Division One football team at this point. That is a very low-level, in my opinion, FBS team that they have in Jackson. But FAMU can compete. I think FAMU's got some transfers. They may not have quite the name and the cachet that some of the other guys are getting, but they're quietly doing their thing. I was uh, actually fortunate enough to see Junior Maritovich uh, about two days ago at the gym down here. So I've also seen Isaiah Conley in the gym as well. So a lot of the local guys from the Orlando area seem to frequent the same gym that I do. Great to see you guys there. Um, always respectful. So if Coach Simmons is listening to this, man, you got some good quality dudes. Um, at least when I've gotten to encounter them, respectful gentlemen representing the orange and green very well. So uh, just wanted to give that shout out to those because I did see you working out. I was getting some work in and I was leaving. And I was like, I've seen that man before. I was like, oh, that's Junior Maritovich. So he uh, gave him a fist bump and wished him well uh him and his family great guy uh went to wakaiva high school here in the orlando area 
mentioning high schools. FAMU is going to offer a few guys, and it's not so long that it's going to eat up a lot of my time. But uh, one is going to be from the offensive line. We've got two guys. Caden Jones, 6'7", 305-pounder from De La Salle High School. De La Salle is a high school in New Orleans. There is also a De La Salle in California. Very highly rated good school there. Uh, but this De La Salle is the one in Louisiana near New Orleans. Also produces very good talent. 2023 prospect. Um, that kid's got offers from everybody, y'all. I saw Ole Miss. I believe UM um, has offered him as well. Don't quote me on that one. But um, so FAMU is going to have a tough road to hoe to get this gentleman. But Caden has got he's got that size six seven three zero five, and he's got the offers. So he, I speculate he's going to go to an FBS program. I'd be surprised if he doesn't go to a school at least like a. Ole Miss, uh, Georgia Tech, and I don't have any insight. That's just pure speculation looking at his size, looking at his uh, weight, looking at his offer list. He's going to get some good offers out there um, going forward. The next one is Takofa Lewis. He's a 6'3", 270-pound lineman from Pearl, Mississippi. I believe Brett Favre is from Pearl. Uh, He goes to Pearl High School, 2024 recruit. And uh, again, he didn't have a lot of offers in comparison. So this is a great opportunity for FAMU to potentially get a offensive lineman and get in kind of early because if he can grow into his body a little bit more, get closer to 300, that guy's a mauler, especially if he can stay in the gym, stay physically fit and have good weight on him. It's going to be a good look and uh, wishing the guy well. Congratulations. Uh, another player that we've offered is a linebacker. And that's Donathan Lacorn. He's a 6'2", 218-pound linebacker from Trinity Catholic in Orlando, in Ocala. I said Orlando. Ocala, Florida. Ocala is Central Florida at the very beginning of Central Florida. Horse country up there. And he is a 2023 recruit. And uh, again, looks pretty solid. His huddle film looked decent when I looked at it. And uh, looking forward to... Him making a decision. Hopefully, he wears a little orange and green in the future. Uh, And the last athlete I'm going to talk about before we take a break is going to be Joshua Robinson, 5'7", 150-pound athlete from Calvary Christian High School in Clearwater, 2025 recruit. So he's got a little ways to go. He can grow. He can get taller. He can get faster. Um, But he plays DB and receiver. I noticed primarily he plays wide receiver, but... That was when I was looking at his huddle and what I think he probably projects as, especially depending on what his 40 time looks like. Low 40 time, you're talking about a great slot receiver, maybe a kick returner. And man, something about us guys that are below six feet that can run and that are a little shifty. They create havoc for a defense because they can get behind the linemen. All of a sudden, next thing you know, they find a crease, they find a hole, and they're gone. We saw that a lot with Bishop Bonnet. Bishop Bonnet is not a tall guy. He's not super huge, but he's muscular. He's got good speed, and we saw, especially in the Florida Classic, that big touchdown he broke where he jumped into the end zone. Bishop Bonnet found found a hole. Next thing you know, he's gone. 
Same thing against Alabama A&M. Would really change the game, sealed the game. Bishop Bonnet finds a hole, long touchdown wrong. Bonnet is gone to the end zone. Touchdown, FAMU. FAMU wins the game. Uh, again, we're seeing another guy in that in that mold, and uh, it's going to be fun. FAMU continues to be on the recruiting trail, continues to look for the top talent in the state of Florida and beyond, and we're going to hopefully see that the recruiting here at the university continues to get better and that we continue to take advantage of the opportunities we have and the facilities that we've developed and hopefully going forward within our new athletic director mode that we're going to be able to to maximize those opportunities so that being said y'all we're going to take a break and take a pause to hopefully generate a little bit of revenue but when we come back we're going to talk about the track program and the baseball program and kind of see what's going on with those two programs going there appreciate your time y'all it is all right y'all uh so famu track has been pretty solid famu track has a good tradition if you are a famu and like me or a famu fan in general that's just followed famu track it's just been recently that baby track hasn't been like exactly what it used to be in the past but it's it's still a good program it's a viable program it just needs a little more stability um and that's with most things a more stable program is going to create a better atmosphere in which the players are going to feel more comfortable they're going to be more excited and as long as the results are there there's going to be a history and a track record to follow with the program that being said one of the students continuing the FAMU tradition of excellence on the track and field area is going to be one Rachel Robertson. She's going to represent FAMU in Eugene, Oregon at the NCAA outdoor track and field championships. She's a senior and this is going to be taking place on Saturday, the 11th. And she actually did really well at the SWAC tournament. Uh, She did good in a couple of events and it was really cool to be able to see FAMU athletes again, excelling and doing really well in the tournament and having the opportunity to go further. So we're hopeful that the program continues to get better and that we are able to get more of our student athletes there as far as to the NCAAs, because again, Fami's got a nice history of being really good, but we can be better. I think we could have gotten a few more athletes in the SWAC tournament than we did and uh, probably gotten a few more at the NCAAs. And that's just maybe me being biased, but I'm going to own my bias because I have one. Um, now, the next sport is FAMU Baseball. If you don't remember, FAMU Baseball did not win the SWAC tournament. We went out in the semifinals to Southern, who we should have beat the first time, but I'm not going to do that. Um, they beat us fair and square. They didn't cheat. I'm not one of them people, uh, but they, they did defeat us. But we don't leave away or walk away empty handed. FAMU is going to leave the SWAC tournament with three players earning awards. The first is going to be Ty Hanchi. He's going to be a junior left fielder. He's number 14. He's going to have seven runs, three doubles, two home runs and 12 RBIs. RBIs are obviously runs batted in for those who aren't aware. That means when he's at the plate, him and his counterparts are uh, crossing the plate and FAMU scored a lot of points. 
first game, FAMU lost the game nine to eight, if I remember if memory serves correctly. So we, we weren't unable to score. We just didn't keep the lead in that first game against Southern that we should have won. Anyways, uh, <laughs> next one is going to be Jared Weber. Uh, Jared Weber is a junior third baseman. He's number 20. And he had 10 runs, three doubles, two home runs, and nine RBIs. And, I mean, y'all, the, the, the bats were hot now. FAMU was not up there just playing around. Like, the Rattlers were over there swinging the bat. We just didn't win our all the games we needed to win to become the SWAC champions. But, again, we did well at the SWAC tournament. And considering this is our first year in the SWAC, we did really well, y'all. Like I, I, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I want more of it. Give me more competition. Give me more winning. I want to win. I, I'm, I'm not shy about saying it. I want to win. I want us to be the best school in the Southwestern Athletic Conference and in the nation. And continuing that, we're going to have one of our seniors. And I, I, I saw he was a senior. I kind of hit that. Ugh, dang it. Can they get one more year? Uh, but LJ Bryant, senior right fielder, he had four runs, two home runs, and seven RBIs. And thank you, LJ, for your contributions. Hopefully, you get some type of COVID year to come back next year. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just asking for a friend. Not really. I'm just asking for me because uh, <laughs> I want that production. And um, I would love for you to have that family master's degree. I'm biased. But uh, LJ is going to conclude potentially his FAMU career. Let's hope he gets that extra COVID year with a, again, the four runs, the two home runs and seven RBIs. And that concluded a really good season. Again, FAMU was one game below 500. If, if you ever heard the podcast, you can definitely tell I'm huge on having a winning season. I, I really feel like, especially considering H what HBCUs offer, Historically, black colleges and universities should all shoot for a 500 record in all sports, excluding football. Football, you should look to go beyond, but considering the bare bones budget approach that we have and that we've committed to athletically, and until we do better with our budgetary options, I look y'all look somebody want to give me a million dollars, I fam, you's gonna get a nice chunk, but uh. <laughs> we are kind of where we are as far as being athletically competitive. So once our athletic budget increases, you'll, you'll see an increase in talent and better production, but FAMU in particular baseball, I want us to be above 500. I definitely want us beating the Stetsons of the world. Stetsons got a good program. Uh, UCF's got a really good program, but I want us to be, up in the upper echelon of the state's best baseball teams. I, I would really like for us to be as far as division one baseball teams, top four that that's my goal for FAMU right now. We're not there. We're not, I don't know if we're top six or seven. Uh, honestly, I, I got number one UF, maybe Miami, probably Miami. Actually, I got Miami's the best baseball program in the state. If you ask me, uh, second, this off the top of my head would be University of Florida, and I, I say that begrudgingly. Uh, third would be Florida State. Um, fourth is UCF. Fifth is probably USF or Stetson. Uh, it's probably Stetson. I probably I probably take Stetson before USF. 
and then I never hear anything about FAU and FIU. Um, so I'd probably, I'd probably throw in Cookman in that area, and then FIU, FAMU, FAU. Those schools kind of a crapshoot there. Um, but again, naming the top five schools in the state, FAMU wasn't up there. UNF is kind of in the mix with us too, because uh, we beat UNF head to head, but they also laid some whooping on us. So again. You got about 10 Division One baseball programs in the state and to not be in the top six and it not to be close. Uh, we we got to do a little bit better as not just alumni base, but as far as once we get our athletic director and we got to find some corporate opportunities to sponsor the athletic programs and maybe some mini sponsors, major sponsors, but something somebody out there buying a something buying a a poster board and putting it out there on the baseball field and streaming the games online so that they're getting constant advertisement. We've got to do something to invest in this baseball program so that coach shoot can get the help he needs. And so that once coach shoot leaves, it's a program that the next coach wants to take over. If the program is not exciting, if it doesn't look like it's a place where somebody can win and grow, you're not going to want to take it over. It's just like any job. If the job has no perspective of growth, I don't want to work there. And we have to have that. That's why the family football program is exciting, especially for coaches. Look what's going on. See how coach Chili Davis comes over and is like, all right, already first year he's up there in Atlanta at the Falcons camp. We just saw coach black joins the Rams staff. You see family football coaches and former coaches at different schools. Edwin Pat at the University of Miami was a FAMU football coach. Like you're seeing FAMU coaches leave here and go to good programs. Not saying that Pat was under the, I, I don't think he was under Simmons. I believe he was before Simmons, if I remember correctly. Um, but just throwing some names out there for us to remember. Uh, but we got to build the baseball program up. We got to do a little work with the softball program too. Softball field looks good. If you haven't been out there, the only criticism I would have for the softball complex is the bleachers. And I mean, it's, they're not bad. I mean, it's, it's a good seat, good, good view, good sight lines. I mean, for the, for the program that we are right now, it's not bad. We just got to do a little bit better as far as investing in that. And we kind of see with the basketball program, like if we get a few more guys out there that want to hoop, we, we're going to be good. Not only say want to hoop that can, kind of come in because we saw where MJ is not coming back. So uh, we're going to talk about that on Thursday, but MJ is not coming back. He's going to continue his journey to the pros and best of luck to MJ. So kind of got on a tangent there, but that being the case, we're going to take a short break and we're going to talk about um, inside the den. Who's the guy that you need to look for and who are the top players that are from the backfield the quarterbacks and the receivers room? Again, y'all, we're going to stop, take a break here, and we're not even going to pay no bills because gas is too expensive. So uh, let's take a pause. This is Fangs Up. All right, y'all, we're going to wrap the show up here, and uh, the podcast is a little more uh, detailed than the live stream so far just because I'm just dabbling into this live streaming thing. But we're going inside the Rattler's Den, and uh, that's me taking you behind the uh, curtain a little bit. But inside the Rattler's Den, who's the man? Y'all know when you on the basketball court uh, or you playing video games, you like to kind of pat your chest a little bit, get a little bit of, uh, 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 
I'm the man. I'm the man. You know, I'm the dude. I, this, this is my yard. So for the FAMU backfield, we're going to ask, ask the question and potentially answer the question using statistics to say who's the man. So th- these are all based on statistical information that I've gotten from the FAMU athletic website as long as well as not as long as as well as so a stat that I've compiled myself and created and it's probably not a new stat it's just something I didn't pull from the website um but the first guy who's the man Rashawn McKay I mean the unquestioned leader on the FAMU offense is Rashawn McKay McKay has a gravitas about himself the players gravitate to him when you see him he knows how to speak to the media He's been here. He's done that. He's literally been here since Ryan Stanley was here. And that's been a while. Um, And the senior is poised. He is very great to talk to. And again, you see that his teammates, they like him. They just naturally come to him. They talk to him. And McKay, he's a pretty solid quarterback. Um, Some people may think I, I, I don't like him as much as I actually do. Um, but I, I like him. He's a pretty, he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, I think he's got some competition this year, but, uh, I think he's got some real good competition, but he is a good quarterback and the stats say he's good. Not great. Good. Um, he played in 12 games last year. Quarterback rating was 131.86 and a completion percentage of 57.9397%. So a little bit below 60%, but that's still pretty good. Uh, again, that means more than half of his passes were completed. That doesn't, uh, I didn't allocate or account for any drops just because I didn't have a stat listing how many drops were in there. Otherwise, I would have adjusted the stat to show how many of the passes that he were through and completed were caught and then how many were dropped by the receiving core. Um, so that was, or is a thing there. Uh, the next guy is going to be Terrell Jennings. Terrell Jennings is a running back and you got to kind of look at the stats for FAMU, especially from the running backfield with a, uh, different lens. And what do I mean by that? FAMU lost its top running back. He graduated. Bishop Bonnet was the unquestioned top running back on that FAMU football team. Bishop Bonnet rushed for over a thousand yards last year. And the rest of the running backs didn't quite have a thousand yards. Like we didn't have 2000 yard rushers for the season. We got about to a thousand yards as a, offense but you didn't have a whole just one player getting a thousand yards i'm actually pulling it up on here just to double check yeah yeah, yeah. total yards for rushing were 2175 yards so a 2000 yard rushing campaign as a football team and one player accounted for about half of those uh so the bishop the church says amen and we will miss you. Um, but we have had to rise to the benediction because he has left the building. But in his stead, Terrell Jennings, Terrell Jennings played in seven games. Uh, and he averaged or he had a net yards of 544 yards. He averaged 4.9 yards per carry, five touchdowns. And he averaged about 43 yards per game. 
Again, 43 yards a game is nothing to talk about. That's not a lot of yards. But again, full consideration, you had a 1,000-yard rusher last year. Bishop Bonnet was, he was the bell cow. He was the small bell cow, but he was the guy. He was the guy that was in there, that ran the ball the most, and he also caught the ball out of the backfield, which probably helps with with Rashawn McKay being able to average 11.6 yards per completion. So that's pretty good. That's more than a first down every time he he throws the ball when you average it out. And he averaged, McKay averaged 204 yards per game. So you're going to see that. The question is, will Jennings be able to catch the ball out of the backfield? I'm not saying he can't. I'm just asking the question. <laughs> so anybody that's a fan of his, don't get mad. Like, oh, you said, you said, well, boy, can't catch. I didn't say that. I just said, I don't have a lot of evidence from it because I didn't watch all the film like that. I, I looked at the stats. <laughs> like That's part of what you do. You look at data. You Sometimes you look at the stats. Sometimes you look at the film. And to prevent myself from being a prisoner of the moment as far as, oh, man, his film looked good. His film looked good. I, I looked at the statistics and the numbers because numbers don't lie. Uh, now, the next one is Jalen McLeod. Look out for Jalen McLeod. He only played in seven games. He only netted 257 yards. So right now you're like, hey, that ain't nothing to talk about. That's only 250 yards. That's, that's not a lot. It's not. But he averaged 4.5 yards per carry. That's nice. So your two top returning running backs average 4.9 and 4.5 yards per carry. That means every three times they run the ball, you got a first down. With Jennings, almost every two times, because that's almost five yards a carry. 4.9 and 4.9 is going to give you, what's that, 9.9, 9.8, 9.8, sorry. I'm doing math in my head. 9.8. So you got a quarter, your quarterback sneak away from a first down with McLeod 4.5 and 4.5 is obviously nine. So again, another quarterback sneak away from a first down with McLeod. He had three touchdowns and he averaged 40 yards per game. Again, uh, it's only 40 yards a game. That's great. But you lost a thousand yard rusher. So between those two guys, that's 83 yards per game rushing. That is nothing to not talk about. I mean, considering I looked, I'm looking here at Bishop Bonnet's Bishop Bonnet played 12 games. He averaged 80 yards per game. So you kind of put those all into a complete stat there. That's over 160 yards between three running backs. That's, that's nothing to scoff at. Like Bishop ran for 1,012 yards. He had 156 attempts and his net, his net yards after you subtracted the yards he lost was 972. So he, the yards he gained was over a thousand, but his net yards were under a thousand and his longest run was eight for 80 yards, five touchdowns for, for the Bishop. So again, Terrell Jennings also had five touchdowns. Terrell Jennings did not average the 6.2 yards per carry that Bishop Bonnet did, but 4.9 is really good. That means that offensive line can run block. Now, we're going to see how well they do pass blocking-wise this year, but they could run block, and you brought some more offensive linemen in, and you brought some more running backs in. 
you brought uh, Coates in. Hopefully Coates is healthy. Coates is that running back that trans from Georgia State, but who originally went to high school at Rickards. You also are bringing in Isaiah Conley, the running back from Coastal Carolina, who went to Orlando Edgewater. You also are bringing in Leland Willoit. Willoit is pretty quick. Uh, Fort Scott Community College. His stats are wonky, though. Um, He played in three games, nine rushing attempts for 31 yards. That was a 3.44 yard average. But because he has so few rushing attempts, his rushing average is 10 yards per carry. So it's it's a little misleading there. Uh, with Coates, if Coates was healthy, Coates ran for 210 yards and 4.4 yards per carry from at Georgia State. So hopefully he's healthy enough. I don't, I don't know, though. I have no uh, information on that at this time. But you're starting to see the FAMU backfield is pretty, pretty, pretty loaded, pretty good. We're going to talk about that again. Um, I probably went a little too much in detail about it. But the FAMU backfield is going to be exciting. Also consider you got junior back there quarterback you got musa also back there quarterback the family backfield is going to be probably the the most competitive spot on the field as far as people fighting for position next to the secondary like to me the secondary is your most competitive position but it's it's going to alleviate some of the competitiveness because there's so many opportunities for multiple people to play there's normally one running back and one quarterback in the FAMU offense. And if we get two, it's a fullback. We don't very seldom do we have two running backs on the field at the same time, which would be fun. Have a speed back and a power back kind of go out there. I think that would be a lot of fun to kind of see that. It's just a little wrinkle in the offense. Um, but we, we do it sometimes, but not a lot, uh, especially from as much as we run the shotgun formation, uh, being able to run that zone read option that we, that we run at times where the quarterback holds the ball. You could, zone read to Willoit and then hand off to Jennings and have a pulling guard or tackle to lead Jennings. And you not only have a 240, 250 pound running back, but you got a 300 pound man in front of him. I mean, come on y'all. You're talking about 500 pounds, 550 plus pounds of weight running at someone full speed. That's a problem uh, (laughs) that I don't want and I don't miss. Uh, So again, the three major players from the offensive backfield, though, just to make sure we stay we stay on brand because I definitely got on a tangent there, are going to be Rashawn McKay, the quarterback, undoubtedly. You know him. You've seen him. He, he, the, the guy does everything, and he washes cars. Um, support the brother. Um, next one, Terrell Jennings, top leading yard uh, getter from the running backfield with 544 yards and the other one is Jalen McLeod 267 yards rushing look out for these two they are both what we would call power backs so they're not they don't have great speed but they got good speed but they're strong oh man they hit hard and they're hard to take down and we're going to see how Leland Willoit and I'm I'm definitely excited to see Conley in that FAMU offense I've seen the guy in person and the boys fast. I seen that. I just saw him at the gym a few weeks ago, uh, about a month ago now. And the guy looks solid, good kid. Again, big question is, can we get the ball to all these guys and give everybody a chance? 
And I reiterate, the big three, who are the top returning players from the backfield that you need to watch? Rashawn McKay, Terrell Jennings, and Jalen McLeod. Y'all, that's the show. That's it. I appreciate y'all for supporting the show. And as always, it is Fangs Up. And thank you to Fangs Up, the HBCU digital audience, and the mechanism behind that. And if you haven't already, again, the Fangs Up podcast has an official Twitter page. I still support the FQ FAMU Twitter page. And I don't just support it. I run it. And we are also on YouTube as well. So we have a YouTube channel and our multiple podcasting platforms. As always, y'all, it is Fangs Up.